Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with James DeWitt, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. James, what's up? Oh, man. Just loving life. Uh, me too, buddy. Me too. Now, before we get started, I need to let everyone know that the Startup Hustle podcast is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which is the business I own with the guy that's not here today, Matt Watson. So regardless of his presence, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. James, you are the CEO and co-founder of United American Hemp. Is this true? That's true. I like it. You guys know I love it when you're interactive. So go to unitedamericanhemp.com or on the gram, search United American Hemp. If you want to visit us on Instagram, at Startup Hustle Podcast. James, let's talk about hemp, baby. I'm ready. This is a hot subject. Yep. There's a lot of stuff going on with it. I think there's a lot of confusion around it. Um, and, you know, we have we did a prior episode related to cannabis startups and had the folks from Hemp Haven in here. And anyway, there's a lot of this stuff popping up. A lot of this is legal in a lot of states. And you are from the state of? Kansas. Okay, where this is about as legal as this plant gets is hemp, right? That's right. And it's, uh, it's interesting in Kansas because it's still... Uh, there's a research program for growing industrial hemp, processing it, um, transporting it. Right now, you can sell CBD products mm -hmm. in Kansas. Um, there's not a regulation around that other than that you're not allowed to sell smokable flour. Okay. Um, but other than that, if you want to have a, a growing operation for hemp, you have to get licensed with the state through the Department of Agriculture. In which you are? That's correct. So I'm born and raised in Kansas. Um, family's been in the state of Kansas for like 150 years. I'm about as OG as it gets in a very non-progressive state. Let's just keep it real there. True. Kansas, get your shit together. I mean, for real, um, Kansas is, is rapidly becoming boxed in by other states that, I mean, obviously we're right next to Colorado, which was one of the pioneers in cannabis in general, um, Missouri, which is literally a stone's toss away from where we are right now in the startup hustle studio is legalized some of the medical stuff and, and hemp and hemp's been kind of doing it for a while, but when it comes to Kansas and these other states, how, I mean, is hemp legal in most states now with a license? There's a significant number of states that allow uh, growing of industrial hemp at a research level. There's okay. a few that have commercial programs where they're all out and you can you can grow that way. No matter where you're at, there's a lot of regulation around it sure. because it's the exact same plant as marijuana. It's, it looks exactly the same. I mean, same on plant. many levels, like, and, and, you know, once again, go to unitedamericanhemp.com because if I go to your website, it looks like really good weed. Uh, it smells like really good weed. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. But, but there is a difference. And I think that's what people don't understand. So talk, let's talk about that difference real quick. And we don't have to get too scientific, but there's a pretty big difference between hemp. Well, do we have to call it cannabis? Because I mean, it's, I mean, it's weed. Well, I'll tell you what, here, here's the deal. It's all marijuana and hemp are both cannabis sativa Linnaeus, same species of plant. Okay. The only difference is that in 2014, the federal government passed a farm bill that distinguished the two, hemp and marijuana. And they said anything, any cannabis with less than 0.3% THC in it, that's industrial hemp. 0.3% and over, that's marijuana. Okay. And so they allowed So you could have yeah. really shitty weed and it might might it might like not even work, but if it's just over 0.3%, then you're too it's pun intended, it's too high. That's right. That's okay. exactly right. They call it running hot. Right. Okay. And and in a state like Kansas That's a nice little industry term that I'm going to drop on someone. Is running be hot. like is your hemp running hot? <laughs> That's right. Everybody's like who it. are you? Is, is that standard verbiage? That's standard verbiage. Love it. Even insurance companies are saying running hot. Oh, wow. So I talked to one today. Nice. Um, but yeah, if you're running hot, um, yeah, it's really bad weed if you're going to smoke it. But the state of Kansas, for instance, would say you have to incinerate it. Um, okay. Not, you know, 
for consumption. Um, so, but that's, but so those testable levels and stuff like that are, I mean, that's a scientific process and that's something you guys engage in a little bit at your facility, right? That's true. So before you can harvest your industrial hemp, the state has to come out and test it to make sure that it's not running hot. I see. Um, and so we went ahead and made the investment in the technology to be able to test it ourselves in advance throughout the life cycle of the plant, Okay, just to make sure that we understand like where we're at. THC wise, because there are spikes that can happen at certain points, depending so on the, if the weed. If the weed's running hot, you got to get it hot and get rid of it. That's right. Literally. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, basically, uh, if it's, if they come out and test it, you're, you're going to be burning it if it's over 0.3%. Okay. okay. But at that point, if, if you have an industrial license and you're running hot and they come by, they're not going to cuff you and drag you off. No, they have limits though. They say if it's over a certain percentage, yeah, then you're just breaking the law. Then you're in trouble. Yeah. yeah, then they know you're up to something. Sure, shady. sure, sure. Okay. All right. So now, you know, CBD is something that uh, is like everywhere now. Everywhere. And like, I mean, dude, like everywhere. Um, according to my Facebook feed, CBD cures everything. I'd be skeptical of that. Not true, right? I, I mean, I think that that's a. People saying things like that, that's scary for people with real medical conditions. I agree. Um, that's, that's, I mean, and I say that in the context that I say that in, it's, it's not that like people that I'm talking to are seeing on Facebook. It just seems like, you know, that some of it, and look, the, there's no doubt that there's medically valid reasons for the chemicals that are in there. Um, one of the things, so my mom has dementia and it's bad. And there, I've seen a lot of research that shows that there are like true um, medical applications where the certain, you know, the cannabinoids, is that, did I say that uh, Cannabinoids. Can, how, what? What is that again? <laughs> cannabinoids. Can, I'll never get or that right. Or cannabinoids, however you want to say it. Cannabinoids. But, you know, so there's certain things that are there, but I think that on some level, some people are are taking it a, a little to the little extreme. I agree with that. I, I There's definitely, I won't say it for certain because I don't want to get in trouble with the government, but, totally. but, but I believe that there's medicinal value sure. in, in the cannabinoids in the plant. You can just disclaim it. You can say there's potential potential. Yeah. Now you're not necessarily endorsing it. And I get that, but I mean, is it fair to say that, like we said, it's people getting a little carried away? With I don't think it's it. a, I don't think it's a miracle cure all drug for everything. Um, but because of the prohibition being lifted on that federally uh, in 2018, where they said now you can have interstate commerce, now you can have commercial programs, that I think is going to lead to a lot more drug trials and testing that is really what's needed. Like if you're a small business owner, you're probably going, oh man, there's all these extra restrictions that are come down the line. They're going to make it hard for me to do business. But the answer is they're also making it safer for the consumer. Sure. So yeah, it does play into the hands of big drug companies and big pharma to do that because they've got the money. Johnson and Johnson's got the money to right. do that once it's federally legal. Um, but but th those rules and regulations, while, while people aren't always thrilled with the process and the, the, the slow time that it takes to get things to market. I mean, really in, inherently they exist to keep things on the, on, at a good norm. Right. Yeah. I mean, we got, I mean, they're intended to like help you. So I was just watching a, um, a three-part series. I'm kind of a history buff, and I was what the food that made America, and uh, you know, in the early 1900s, uh, food was terrible. I mean, it was bad. There was no regulation, and that's where like the you know a lot of the FDA kind of stuff started coming through because you know you could put anything you wanted in any food, and some of the stuff that they would put in it to make it look fresher or a different color. I mean, it was literally poisonous. Oh yeah. So, you know, some of those, those rules and regulations exist for a reason, but at the same time, sometimes they can be really cumbersome and weigh down a, a business's ability to make profit is that that's a problem for some people in, in your industry, right? It is definitely a problem. And I would say on the farming side of it, on the ag side, you know, a farmer who wants to get in this, this isn't like growing corn or soybeans, yeah. you yeah. know, these seeds you're buying, you're paying a dollar a seed to buy these seeds. Really? Yeah. And you're planting two to 3000 an acre. So, I mean, you're, you're. It's so, so when product. those seeds, the seed, and that's part of your business too, is seeds right. and clones. That's right. Which is, uh, and, and we'll talk some more about that because I find that to be an interesting. I mean, this is just botany, right? Right. It's a yeah. plant. It's just yeah. a plant like any other plant, right? So, but the seeds you're talking about, those are those are at least groomed or built in a way that is going to probably grow below that. It's not going to 
be hot. That's the idea. They've been okay. bred over the years to get the genetics to the point where you're going to, ours were tested by the Department of Agriculture at about 0.12% sure. THC. So well under the 0.3% right. threshold. But that's an important factor that's in, right. in growing it. So that's interesting because the last time um, I, 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 I definitely wouldn't have paid a dollar a seed. Yeah. That was usually what you were trying to get rid of, right? That's right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here you're like the seeds. So, um, and, and it gets a little, there's, there's more to that sure. too, because a lot of people love, you know, if, if you're going to produce CBD, you want to be producing female plants okay? because you're going to extract out the CBD or the, the cannabinoids from those plants. That's because the male plants don't have that, right? Or they very, have very little. Very little, okay. yeah. And so I think a yeah. lot of people don't know that too. For if if you are smoking weed, that's the female plant. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like and the male plants are bad. You don't want those. That's right. And nobody wants, you know, yeah. nobody wants seeds in their weed or whatever. You know, yeah. they, that's the yeah. whole sense Amelia thing. Well, the same thing goes with hemp. Same sure. plant. Um, THC is just one of the cannabinoids. And CBD is one of the cannabinoids and there's CBG and there's a number of, there's like 112, I think I'm not, I don't quote me on that, but there's, there's a decent number. And the two in biggest concentration in the plant are THC and CBD. And that's why you hear about those all the time. So, okay. So that was really, that was really botanistic and scientific. What's your background? I mean, do you have a background in either agriculture or botany? Not at all. Okay. Um, I, uh, I worked at a wealth management firm in Kansas city for 12 and a half years okay. or so. Um, for the last seven of that, I was the chief compliance officer there. So that's probably a good fit for what you do now. Cause oh, there's great. a lot of compliance. Yeah. Compliance and, and, um, process oriented. Right. I mean, this is something where you've got to learn the plant. So I feel like I'm pretty good at, at picking up new concepts and then creating processes and procedures to be able to follow and create consistency. And sure. that's really important. Well, the, I think the compliance aspect, like if I was an investor and I was going to invest in a business like yours, I would want, I would, your background would, I, that, that would be like a green check mark sure. for me. Cause I would say, this is someone that understands, you know, so you were in the financial industry. There's a lot of compliance there too. Oh, I work with I the mean, SEC with, all the time. Yeah. With yeah. startups and, and, you know, different things and, you know, when, I don't know, there's just a lot. And honestly, that's probably like my least favorite part of business, like HR and compliance. Me too. My, yeah. It's my, it's my least favorite part too. It, but. Re, it requires a detail or a level of, uh, of detail that, um, I don't possess. I mean, I do, but it's so painful that we're talking about extraction oh, yeah. of things. Well, it's hard for me to extract that part of me. So, um, regardless of what state you're in and what, whether it's medical recreational or industrial hemp, the compliance factor is massive. Absolutely. Right? I mean, you've got to have that down and, and, a lot of people don't. Well, and that's a good, I mean, and so you want to talk about, we like to talk about things that, um, you know, pitfalls you want yeah. to avoid and it, whether it's things we've done poorly or things like, Hey, you got to watch out for this. All these States look, they're coming into this kind of tippy toeing, and there's a, there's a camp of people that don't want it. And then there's a camp of people that don't understand it. And there's a camp of people that are screaming to hurry it up. But you look at something. So when I look at like the legalization of cannabis in general, you have people that have made their living and worked at their whole career to try to eradicate or prohibit specific activities, and now it's legal. That's right. So these people are, need something to do, and they are compliance officers, basically. Like a police officer is a compliance officer. They are saying, you need to be compliant with the speed limit of 45 miles an hour, and if you go over it, I may or may not fine you. Yeah. So- who is the who is in charge of keeping track of compliance in these new states? Is it the cops? Is it uh, newly formed agencies? It's not the FDA because this still isn't federally legal, is it? No, that's right. So, so basically, what the federal government has done, both on, I mean, we know that marijuana is still federally illegal. You know, it's a Schedule One drug. Right. Um, but Obama kind of made it clear that they, they at least during his presidency and that's been a while it's about yeah. time to re-up on something maybe do something different there but um at the same time was like we're not going to chase down the states that are doing this right so i mean they're basically putting it back on the states to figure out how they're going to enforce that and police sure. it um same with hemp same with marijuana 
you know, in, in Kansas, for instance, the Department of Agriculture handles the hemp side of things. They're the ones that do the testing. Now, if you get in trouble for doing something, it's the Kansas Bureau of Investigation that okay. you can report to. KBI. Yeah, not the okay. FBI, the KBI. Um, I've never met anybody from the KBI, but that's I, probably good. That's right. Good. I'll keep it that way. Um, but the Department of Agriculture, and let's back this up because, yeah. all right, for those of you that aren't in our area or if you're listening abroad, and we've had 177 countries worth of people. We're in Kansas. We're right in the middle of the country. And uh, this part of uh, the United States is often referred to as like the bread basket or like once you get past my hometown of Kansas City and you drive a not too far west, you run into hundreds and hundreds of acres and miles of wheat, corn, soy, maybe soon to be hemp. Yeah. But agriculture is the driving force of the state that we're in. So do you think that these people are supportive of what you're doing? Because I, I feel like Kansas should be all over this. Our, par- our farmers struggle. So this is really interesting. Okay, so two things. Back up one one second on yeah, the, who, who regulates it. So. Department of Agriculture tends to handle the hemp side of things. Okay. The Departments of Health and Senior Services, for instance, in Missouri and in most states, it's the Department of Health in the state that handles the marijuana side of things. They okay. consider it, you know, a medical sure. item. Um, so then they, they kind of separate it out that way. Now, on the- What on about the, the tax component? Because there's a big tax component too. Like, is that the Department of Revenue kind of thing? Yeah. You know, on the hemp side, not a really big tax component. We pay a fee to the Department of Agriculture sure. so they can oversee the program. But the main point of the medical and the recreational stuff is the massive tax revenue it drives. That's right. So those Departments of Revenue are involved and, with- And that, that's a sell more, spend less thing too. Because, you know, we've spent a lot of money putting people in jail yeah. for small amounts of weed- Basically, I mean, some of it's like big, but for the most part, a lot of pe- there's a lot of people in jail or involved in the criminal justice system in general for, and that's a weird yeah. thing too, because like ten years ago, you might you might be in jail for something right now, right? That's no longer illegal, and it's possible that they'll yeah. they'll start changing they'll let them out yeah. or do something, but yeah, but that sell more, spend less mentality is actually in a startup. So I feel like if states and government ran their businesses more, ran their the state more like a business would need to. Like, yeah. I can't. I can only operate on a deficit for so long before I'm not a business anymore. Right. And there's money. There's money for them to make. Yeah. So you got to you got to sell more, spend less. Yeah. So by the sell more mentality, the taxation of it, like Colorado, is killing it, killing it. They almost they've had to give money back to people. They're like, we, oh, we've collected too much in taxes. The coffers are overflowing yeah. with gold and and cannabis, maybe. Well, even over in Missouri, yeah. the amount that they've collected just in application fees alone, you know, I think that it was it was three and a half or three point eight million dollars in pre application. It was in pre application wow. fees. Now they've collected like twenty one hundred applications with an average fee is either six or ten thousand dollars per application. And that so you pay that whether you get approved or not. That's right, a non refundable fee. Nice, right? So way to go, Missouri. They got the money to run that program. I've been, I've, I get in a lot of, uh, a lot of conversations because, and once again, for those of you that that are anywhere and aren't familiar with Kansas City, most people think it's in Kansas because of the word Kansas. Actually, the bulk of quote Kansas City is actually on the Missouri side of the state. And are like here at uh, at the full scale headquarters and uh, at Startup Hustle Studio, we're on State Line Road. Yeah. So if I cross this, if I go out the front door of the office and I cross the street, I started in Kansas and now I'm in Missouri. But there's a often a very wild difference in between the way the two states operate. So Missouri just legalized. Uh, marijuana or cannabis on a medical level. So you can like go get a card and they haven't opened stores yet. No, they won't. They're getting ready to. They won't give uh, licenses until they have 150 days from when they took your application and application window closed on August 17th. So they have until like early January to give out those licenses. But when they give those out, could you open right away? Uh, You would have to get all your ducks in order. You'd have to do what you said in your application and then you'd have to have an inspector come out from the state and say, yeah, you're good to open. We've done our-, our On, on a, like a retail type level. That's right. So both dispensaries, making products, growing, all of those things require an inspector to come out and give you approval, and then you can open your store. I would expect by- But but I live in Kansas, so in Missouri, you have to have like a, a, a card, yeah, basically. A patient card. A patient card, but I can't get one. 
That's right. Because I live in Kansas. Gotta be a Missouri resident. Which is once again weird because like I said, like I, I'm in Missouri every day when I drive to work because I'm I, when I'm driving to work, I'm in Missouri. When I'm driving home, I'm in Kansas, which is weird. I grew up right next to State Line Road, yeah. so I'm kind of used to that. But it's a weird concept because, you know, uh, in the Matrix – they would have said your borders are a construct. Right. Well, that's like there's an imaginary line that runs down the middle of our city that creates two very different sets of regulations. So you're on the Kansas side. So that's you right. got different rules, but. Well, and hop, hop one state over. So let's go to the other side of Missouri and you're in St. Louis and St. Louis will have medical marijuana, thing. but jump across the border in to Illinois, Illinois and they yeah. have recreational yeah. marijuana now. Yeah. So if you're in, if so you're in I, Louis, I know, I know yeah. some people that have a massive hemp farm in, in Illinois. Oh yeah. They're just friends of mine that I've known for a while and they got into that and they've, they've been able to do that for, uh, it's, it hasn't been an incredibly long time, but yeah. Well, I'll tell you what the, the, once again, invisible lines. That's exactly right. Well, the, the, um, now you can't cross those invisible lines with your product either, right? Depends. Or can you with industrial hemp? Can you with industrial hemp? You're supposed to be able to cross those lines, but each state has their own program. So mm. if it's Iowa, for instance, does not have industrial hemp, so I could not be transporting industrial hemp through Iowa without risk of it being seized and being that in, could be bad. Trouble. Yeah. So so here and you know that's that's weird. So the thing that's crazy is so many of the states. And by the way, I don't like talking about politics. But so many of the states that, in my opinion, would benefit from this stuff, like Kansas. Mm -hmm. Look, I look at Kansas as being backwards. So for those of you that aren't familiar, this is a very interesting read. Google the Kansas experiment because my home state has turned itself into the example of what to not do economically. Um, the, the former governor of Kansas made a bunch of really radical changes and stuff like that. Um, but it affected a lot of business and it seems like the states like Iowa is a farm state. Yeah. Have you been to Iowa? Oh yeah. Dude, it's Kansas. It's Kansas. the same thing except for not as many people. And, you know, it seems like the states who would really benefit from this agriculturally would, would, would should wrap their arms around it, but yet they don't. Well, I'm going to show Kansas a little love here. No, because, I get, dude, I love Kansas. Because, well, I, I just wish that we would get our shit together yeah. in some regards. On like, the hemp, come on. On the hemp side, though, they have. And that's really interesting. They yeah. are very progressive when it comes to their hemp program. Some states are very <clears throat> restrictive, and they're like, educational institutions only can do yeah. this. But Kansas has really worked with farmers to make this happen. Good. I'm, I'm very happy. I was pleasantly surprised. I was getting into it going, hey, no one's going to be able to enter this without a compliance background because of how tough it's going to be. And the answer is that it's not. It's not that tough. They've made it a lot easier. So, you know, some of the things too, and, and you know, governments and, and whoever, they pick things up when they pick things up. Yeah. So Kansas, this is a different type of farming. I'm going to talk about wind farming. Yeah. So Kansas has the most wind. Like wind is an actual harvestable resource. And 10 years ago, we were like 40th for wind power generation. And like they actually got their shit together and did a lot better, um, you know, because you have all these farms out in the western part of the state and this is the winds it's like blowing kansas is really flat makes wind likes flat yeah drive, yeah, drive south of here to to oklahoma yeah, it's just, same thing but just wind farms you know, but they're everywhere man yeah i drove through mills. oklahoma um last a year ago going down to texas and just like but the wind i i think they're cool yeah you know but seeing some of that so yeah hopefully we can we can get some stuff together so i want to talk about ag tech for a second okay um what and we so recently um, Kevin Lockett. Yeah. Do, does Kevin the Lockett. do you know him? Yeah, right. I, I know who he is. Yeah. So he's a football player, right? Yeah. Played for the Chiefs, went to Oklahoma. Um, son plays for the for the Seahawks. Well, yeah. Kevin is the CFO of an AgTech VC fund. And, you know, that's a good fit for us here in Kansas. And this has been a popular or a, a heated subject because I think states and areas and cities need to play to their strengths. We're right in the middle of the like the bread basket of stuff oh, yeah. and ag tech and stuff like that, in my opinion, should really be a focal point of what we do locally. So what kind of and when we say ag tech, we're talking agricultural technology. What kind of what play does that have in the industrial hemp industry? Like what kind of technology is important? What do you use? What could you need? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. Um well, to start with, a lot of these plants that farmers are going to grow, the the most success that we've seen with farmers in Kansas is planting clones. And when I say a clone, I'm talking about 
a let's talk about that for a yeah, second because when we think of a clone you think like okay you're gonna make a second me yeah i've thought about that i don't think i could handle myself i'll get quickly sciencey yeah. on you here for a second do it no See, i want to talk about that i want you to explain what a clone is in terms of a plant okay so start with the word propagation propagation is essentially how i'm going to reproduce that plant um there's two ways to when, when seeds blow in the wind and turn into another plant that's propagation isn't it well well, this one's a little bit different, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, it's similar. Yeah, right? it's, okay. it's similar. So here's what we've got going on. There's two ways to propagate a cannabis plant. You can have sexual reproduction or asexual. Sexual is when, because cannabis is a dioecious plant, means there's male and female plants. When the male plants spread pollen onto the female plants, the female plants begin to produce seeds. Right. That's sexual propagation. Okay. Um, and so- Man, Did you think we were going to talk about sexual propagation? Sorry, our show yeah. producer walked in. <laughs> Breland, did you think we would talk about sexual propagation? It's always fun to anyway, bring up. Yeah, it's yeah. always fun to talk about. Uh, <laughs> but, but, but then- It's a good thing the show is marked explicit. That's right. So anyway, so the pollination, we're all familiar with pollination, that. Pollination, you, okay. you, get, you get seeds from that. Um, if- you want asexual propagation. That means I'm taking a cutting off of an existing plant. So I've got a plant that's grown. It's big. I'm going to take a piece of that plant, cut a it limb. off. A limb. Okay, a sure. A branch, however you want to, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to take that off and I'm going to plant it and it will root and it will continue to grow. It's basically the same plant. It's, it's the identical genetic. I've been genetics. doing that with cactuses for years. And it just goes on forever, yep, right? Yep, yep. Now there's, I literally do that. I have a, um, like an aloe cactus that I've had for, I don't know, six or seven years. It's your forever plant. It is. I, and I really enjoy growing it. I have a lot of fun with it, but it gets big and it's, you know, so I clip parts of it off and I've grown a whole bunch of other stuff with it. And that's, and that, but so I'm cloning. Yeah, you're cloning. Okay. That's exactly what you're doing. So what, but why is that useful in, uh, in industrial hemp? Like, why do I want to clone a plant? Like what's the upside of that? Well, two things. One is, you know what you're getting. If you okay. get a seed, think about seeds. Like if you're going to have- Seed you don't know until it grows. And right, it could if, die. There's a million things. Right, and if, you have okay. ki- if you have kids, right? You've got five kids and sure. all the kids are a little bit different. They're not all identical. That and makes so sense. you might get one that's a runt and then one that's a really strong, healthy one. So um, with a clone, you know what you're getting genetically. Second, if you're a farmer and you're growing in your field, you really want all female plants if you're going to sell for CBD. So the only way you know for sure with a hundred percent certainty it's that you're going to have a female. It's I, a see. I see. There are ways to do something called feminizing seeds. Sure. It's not a hundred percent certain that you're going to get all females, but it usually is like 98, 99%, but a male, a few males in your field. Now, much like when I, all right. So, uh, when I, in the spring, if I go to Lowe's and I buy a six pack of, of tomato plants. Um, so I've done this cause I've run, had just hobby gardens, um, in the past. So when I buy those planters, they always end up being the biggest plants. Never when I drop a seed in the ground. Is that also like a head start kind of thing? It or? is definitely a head start. Okay. Um, for me, you know, I've found it gives us about a 10 to 12 day head start versus seeds. So it's just a time thing? It's a time thing. See, for um, me, because when, when seeds, when they first germinate and come out of the ground, they're just so volatile. Like a hot day can burn them up and you're done. Sure. Where the, where the like, and you know, and then also let's be realistic. I'm just kind of lazy. I don't really want to go like go out and till my backyard. Yeah. But that's where your ag tech comes into play. Sure. Right. Because now you're talking about if a farmer goes and throws those seeds out, we've had one of the wettest summers in Kansas that we've ever had. Like it's a record. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah. And right. so those, the soil is so waterlogged. A lot of these farmers who planted these d- seeds for a buck a seed, um, had total failures. And because the, they rot, right? That's right. Okay. Not a single sprout. You know, wow. you planted 14 acres and no sprouts. Yeah, but dude, that could be like a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. And and the time, the labor, the equipment you had to use. So one of the ways that people are getting around that is you plant the clone, an already rooted plant. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. strong. It can handle a little bit of wind. It can handle some hail. It gets wet. It might actually okay. like the water. At that's that right. Okay. That's right. So um, that seems to be pretty successful. What to, to do that, though, you need indoor growing space. You need greenhouse space. Right. And in an ideal world, you're able to do that year round to be able to get great, great plants and keep your genetics going and not just start fresh every single May. Um, so indoor growing technology, I think, is important um, for the hemp side of it, whether it's lighting, um, whether it's irrigation. Yeah. 
those are going to be those are going to be real real important uh, on the ham side. Now we know and, it's and then there's technology that runs that too because lights right. need to be on a timer. People don't realize this about just plants in general. Is you know that that anytime you're growing something under a light, you're emulating the pattern of a sun. So like you know the sun's less prevalent in the later months, which are often the harvest and stuff like that. And that's what kind of triggers certain things to flower or do different or grow faster. Yeah, that's right? a, g- a good point on the cannabis side. So cannabis is a, fo- well, you have two kinds of cannabis. There's photo period plants, which is what most of them are. And there's auto flowers. Photo period plants go, hey, I'm getting a certain amount of light. It's time for me to start growing and mm-hmm. get big and bushy and get strong. And then when it senses that light going away and you have more consistent hours of darkness. So after August, you start to get, you know, more nighttime. It knows to start flowering because it's an annual right. plant. It, it, yeah. it starts in May well, and just, it dies. It's just evolution yeah. or whatever you want to call it. Um, okay. So with ag tech, there's got to be more to it than just the lights though. Some of this is also like the chemical nature of what the, the nutrients and stuff, right? That's right. So um, feeding those plants is really important and your soil may not be necessarily the ideal soil for that plant where you're at. That's why certain parts of the country have actually gravitated towards this. Like apparent, I told you I had some familiarity with this industry in Oregon where apparently the sun and the soil are, are fairly optimal. Mm -hmm. So is that something you have to correct here in Kansas or that you want to simulate? Yeah. I mean, everybody's soil is a little bit different around here too. Well, Um, we mentioned Oklahoma earlier in Oklahoma. It's, uh, if you drive through Oklahoma, you'll notice the dirt looks red. Yeah. Cause it's got a, a lot of clay in it. Yeah. And that's not, that could be good for certain types of plants and it could maybe even be poisonous for others. Right. And it depends on how it holds nutrients and things like that. Now there's, it's a plant like any other. So it uses the same nutrients that other plants use. Um, And you're just trying to dial in the right proportions of them to get optimal growing conditions for them. But but that's tech. It's tech. It's testing those soils and those levels. And by the way, if you over fertilize a plant, you'll burn it. Oh yeah. And yeah. that's not good. Yeah. And, and you can basically, if you put in too much fertilizer, you get some other issues where you're changing the pH of the soil. Yeah. You're, I mean, there are really, there's some neat tools out there that a farmer can use that are, you know, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth compatible soil testing where you go out there and it'll tell you your nutrient levels and your electrical conductivity and your pH of the soil by mm-hmm. just by jamming the prong into the yeah, soil. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's cool how that stuff occurs. Oh, yeah. It's funny because it, so many people in startups are, are so centric around making software as a service products. But, you know, yeah, a good entrepreneur is solving a problem. And one of the major problems that we have as a planet in general faced in the just any future is production of food yes absolutely. and also like climate change and i'm sorry people it's not a myth it's happening and they're like, but it's not as hot well that might maybe that's part of it you know but there's this ever-changing you know growth of stuff so with ag tech too like some of the things we were talked about with when kevin lockett was in here were um like you know, some of the, all right, the, the bad things that can occur. Like we talked about all the fertilization, all these different things, but mm-hmm. you know, if all of a sudden you have drought stricken areas and so being able to use the technology to build plants and not only, and that and on some level animals yeah. that are more resistant to what's happening in the future. Cause there's parts in like California that were once like amazing, uh, wine growing and now they, they just can't do it. Yeah. They're, it's like the land is not good for that. That's absolutely right. I mean, you also have other issues too, like pesticides. Yeah. So and that's been a hot topic too, because yeah. Monsanto and uh, Roundup. Yeah. Dude, I saw they just got a fine from like one state Oh yeah. for like $600 million. And that sets a precedent they don't want. Yep. I don't know if it was them or My, my wife won't let me. No, actually, you know what? <laughs> it wasn't that, that actually wasn't Monsanto. That was about opioids. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which by the way, yeah. some of the same companies that make stuff like that also make the poison that might have given you the illness that you need to cure, but yeah. no, but that's been Monsanto. So Monsanto makes Roundup, and they is that who's that own? Is that Bayer? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Someone owns it. So they have a big parent company, but they make Roundup weed killer. But they also um, are the largest seed distributor. And the problem with that is there's not a they, some of the, some people have is there's not a level of genetic diversity that uh, exists among plants. So if, you know plants get diseases just right. like animals do, and they can wipe out entire crops right. and be they problematic. Have, yeah, they have to they have <laughs> to evolve too. So 
for those of you that are captivated with the subject of of industrial hemp, make sure to go check out the United American Hemp website. That's at unitedamericanhemp.com. When you come up with a great idea for ag tech afterward, I want you to go to fullscale.io and check out what we do because Matt Watson and I own a company. We help people build software. That's awesome. Um, we help people build teams of experts that do a lot of different stuff. We're a global technology company at this point. But um, back to the subject of industrial hemp, we don't do hemp. No hemp. No, no hemp. No hemp. But we could help you build technology that could do something with it. But so what are what are uh, the uh, over the next 50 years, what are three, four, five things that industrial hemp is going to have a massive impact on not in, as our in our economy or as consumers or anything? Well, you got a you got a couple or a few things here. One is that this is another potential crop for farmers that replaces some of the staples that they've been farming for a long time for which the prices are so low that a lot of farmers are no longer talking like corn. That's right. Yeah. So there's a lot. So on Amazon, they quit letting people list things. They call it crap. Can't realize a profit, (laughs) but there are farm things like that too. Like you don't get a a ton of corn is in like everything and they got to grow a ton of it, literally a ton to, I don't know what's a ton of corn, 2000 pounds of corn. It's probably, but it's not, that's not worth a whole lot. Not on that level. Now, now hemp, eventually, commercial, let's say it's commercially legal everywhere across the United States. Yeah, I'd expect prices to come down. Well, sure, that's supply and demand, but it has a lot of of utility, much like corn or soy, right? Right. And so so the things you're going to see coming out of that are, I do think those cannabinoids are going to continue to be used and we're going to develop more um, testing on what their real medical uses are. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to keep going. Um, That's like 80% of the hemp grown right now is extracted for cannabinoid content for CBD really. Um, because that's only because the other parts of the market aren't as profitable and don't have mature like extraction technologies. So the other 20% growing for fiber and stocks to make clothing and paper. And I was seeing something, they make concrete yeah, and like I, different stuff. Like, and I hear a lot about that. Yeah. Well, well, there's like testing that needs to be done with that sure. because I need, if I'm going to build my house out of hempcrete, I need to know that it can handle the weight of the house. Sure. Sure. Um, and so, but one of the, the 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 most basic things that hemp was farmed for in the history of mankind was making things like rope, yeah, and clothing, yeah, and oil. And there's just not a lot of. If you asked a farmer in Kansas, if you say, "Hey, you're you're going to grow this today for for fiber and sell it to somebody to make rope," they're not going to have a clue where to go to find somebody to sell it to. Yeah, um, that just that part of the market's not mature yet. Sure. I think over the next 20 years, you know, or maybe next five or 10, you'll start to see that become more mainstream and it'll get developed out, especially right. as, you know, people get to understand what's legal and what's not. It'll, people feel more comfortable doing that. So do you think that, um, over the next however many years, this is not, they're just not going to have the the clamp down on this. Cause like I, I'm going to drive by a bunch of cornfields, um, on my way home. I mean, and it's funny cause I live in a decent suburb but in here in kansas the empty lots and like areas that they haven't developed Mm -hmm. people grow corn and soy on them because you get a farmer's exemption you don't have to pay the property tax Mm -hmm. Uh, but i could i could theoretically if i wanted i could park my car on the side of the road and like go run in a cornfield do you think that we're going to get to that point where i mean maybe not necessarily like that but i mean do you think it's just going to be cuz right now if you were to grow hemp in a field you can't it's not going to just be open is it uh you you have certain restrictions about how far you have to be away from like residential structures and um public schools uh, but I, I think those will probably But here's be the thing place. is like realistically think about that like if it's not it's not a drug it's not yeah. doing anything. Like, yeah, the, it, it'll come. I, I don't. But, but see, that's that level of re- regulation and restriction. Yeah. So Certainly, do you have to have it fenced in or anything like that? Depending on where you're at, okay. you know, everyone's a, every state's a little bit different. Um, I, I would say that there's still going to be enough regulation around it to make sure that you're not growing weed because right. technically that is psychoactive and it can get you high. And there's sure. there's you know impairment that can happen from that. And so they're not going to they don't want high school kids running into a field and cutting down a bunch of it and smoke and you know trying to dry it and smoke it or whatever they're going to do. So it would actually be kind of funny to watch <laughs> them do that in a field of hemp and be like, "What are we doing wrong? <laughs> we have to dry it first. Um, regardless, <laughs> still, yeah, that'd be a good time lapse. Then, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think that there'll be a decent amount of regulation that still exists just to 
they ha- they're going to have to be able to figure out what's hemp and what's marijuana. But again, that 0.3%, that's a bizarre, arbitrary sort of number that oh, there's not, there's the not really like a science it's, behind it's, that. It's been around for a while. And I don't, I truly, I couldn't tell you the answer to why they came up with that number. So technically if you drink enough O'Doul's, you will get drunk. I think you'd have to smoke a lot of 0.2% yeah. CBD hemp flour. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, you'd I be know. like, you'd, yeah, I don't think you'd be able to do it. I think you'd, you know, you'd pass out just from the, the inhalation. So, um, yeah, I don't think so. So going forward with, and, you know, as we kind of wind this down, this has been interesting. Um, there will be a pop quiz posted online where you will be, uh, you will first have to draw many diagrams detailing what you've learned about sexual propagation. Um, Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> there will be a downloadable quiz. That would actually be fun. I think I just had a decent idea, like uh, actually having a startup hustle app where you could... Uh, go and get the the highlights but like take a quiz yeah because oh man you you can see i've been taking notes over here i have to like so i take notes on every episode um sometimes it's so i can actually like remember keep this moving and keep you know talking about stuff but some of like today's notes it says sexual propagation and uh and and by the way while we're at it i want to give a shout out to our instagram follower pull your card um, they make trivia games. Thanks for the feedback, dude. We heard you. Um, appreciate it. So if you ever have feedback, you can uh, you can message us through the Instagram. Uh, it's our goal to always make this the make it interesting. At the same time, um, you know, we don't want this to be an interview show. Yeah, uh, we like we, we've been talking about industrial hemp, man. Like I know a couple of things, not nearly as much as you, James. But so going forward with your business, um, you guys are planning some growth and all and uh, literally yeah, <laughs> and yeah. doing some stuff. What can you tell us about uh, today? We're in a thousand square foot warehouse space in Olathe, Kansas. Um, we're moving uh, here by the second week of November into two 3,000 square foot greenhouses out okay. in Lewisburg, Kansas, okay. um, with about 29 acres to grow on outdoors. And so we'll produce. So an uh, acre's the size of a football field. That's, it's, that's, it, the, that's a good reference that yeah. I've always been taught. And I'm assuming that's somewhat accurate, or I've been lying to people my whole life. I think it's but, about right. But that's a lot. Yeah, a couple thousand plants an acre too. Okay. So um when you say a couple thousand, I mean is that like two thousand or is it like like four thousand? Yeah, it's probably two to three thousand. Okay. Um and you know, the revenue on that for selling it for C B D extractions about oh so between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars an acre. The prices are kinda all over the place right now. Yeah. Um <clears throat> and again, if you test hot, you're burning it all. But that's that's our plan for next year. God, that's got to be kind of stressful. Oh yeah. Way. Well, I mean, and we're going to produce, we'll produce seeds in one greenhouse and clones in the other greenhouse so we can sell directly to farmers. Um, we do have a seed uh, dealer license in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so how many people have that roughly? A seed and, dealer yeah, license? Yeah, I'm just curious. I have no idea how many people yeah. have a seed dealer license. I can tell you that there's only 150 or so cultivators of hemp in Kansas right now. They're actually growing okay. today. Um, that sounds like a lot, but it's probably not. Yeah, and on the grand scheme, yeah. I don't think. And the number of acres being being yeah, because right I mean, Kansas, slow. we're not the biggest state. We're also not the smallest. But it's actually when you start to look at like this, like like I said, in Kansas, like the very small portion of it is actually like populated by yeah. humans. Yeah, exactly. I was walking on a nature trail the other day with my wife, and she was like, "I went down this trail the other day, and I saw a sign that said there's six hundred thousand deer in Kansas." I was like, "No way." <laughs> No way you're right. She's like, oh, maybe that is how we walk right by the sign. And it, she was, in fact, correct. <laughs> but that's just because it's all farmland. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're going to move out to a new spot. You got some indoor stuff. You got some outdoor stuff. Yeah. Farmers can come and see what we're doing before they buy. They can see how it's being produced. They can see it being grown on real, real land outdoors. Yeah. So. I think that's going to, one of the things we've talked about is uh, kind of taking this show on the road every now and then to like, because we, you know, you came here to our studio and thank you. Oh, here. Yeah. Thank Absolutely. you. This Thanks has been, been fun and interesting, but we want to do some stuff down the road. Um, hopefully when we have a little more time to get out and do it right, but, you know, co- kind of go see what people, but some of the people, the interesting people we've had on the show, like, yeah at their place. Cause we've had a lot, so many interesting entrepreneurs on here. This is the, the second hemp or cannabis related. I, I it's, it's me that's kind of pushing that. Cause I think it's, a, I think it's a very important thing. And actually there's something that we didn't 
get into that I, I would like you to speak on. If you're thinking about getting into the cannabis, hemp, CBD, any type of business, give us some words of caution because I think people are a little overzealous with with living their dreams here because yeah. uh, it's getting ready to be competitive when that federal veil comes up and it will. And it will eventually, I don't know when, but it will come up. It's going to change the landscape. It's going to do a lot of things. You're going to be competing with Johnson and Johnson and Marlboro on some, you know, I mean, maybe, I mean, I'm assuming that that's going to be the case right now. They're prohibited from being in there. So what you, you know, you see, you're seeing this from an industrial and an agricultural level. Um, I'm assuming you work with and talk to a lot of people around the retail level. And then there's all different kinds of stuff. I mean, what, what can you, what can you tell us to do or avoid I, I on would some say, level? Well, one is you got to know what the rules are. Every state's different, you know, and, and you need to know what the federal rules are, what your state's rules are, what your local rules are, your ordinances. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to be prepared for what might come down the pipeline. This is an emerging industry where yep. things are changing like daily. I mean, any day you get a new piece of regulation that comes out, a new piece of legislation, or you get a rule that changed. And that can be greatly and rapidly affected by your elected officials. Oh, absolutely. And you could be in with your business, you could be legal one day and then election comes and now done. That's correct. They could put us out of business the next day. That's risky. That's a big threat. And I see that in the CBD industry right now. You see a lot of those retail stores opening. There's a big, you can tell there's the rush to get the money while it's there. Um, or to be positioned for something later, I assume. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I would say know what those regulations are and be adaptable because if you put, let's say you go and you go, I'm going to round up $10 million of investment money and go and do this big cultivation effort or or open all these stores, all of that could be gone the next day. This is a this is a risky space to yeah. be in. Are there um, a lot of people, is there a lot of investment dollar flowing into this right now? There are. Now, especially on the medical marijuana side. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and part of that is because states make it, it will expensive to get in the game if you're mm-hmm. going to be in there, but to be able to produce at the scale you're, you want to be able to do it at, it, it takes some money. And so, you know, you got people going, raising 10, $12 million for that kind of stuff. Well, you need to understand what your ROI is on that, what your return yeah, on investment sure. is. Um, and then what happens if it gets derailed? Cause that can happen very quickly. Um, well, growing plants in general is tough. I oh, mean, yeah. you can lose a whole crop and that's pretty damn expensive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only do, I mean, not only does the money you put into trying to grow it is out the window, obviously you don't get the revenue from it and you can also ruin some relationships because as a producer of anything, it's people further down the, the supply chain need your stuff. And if you yeah. don't have it, they are going to go find it somewhere else and, and you may have just lost your client. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's very fair to say. Uh, and I'd also say, you know, know what you're selling. So if you're going to go open a CBD store or whatever, you you really need to understand the product that you're selling. I think a lot of people do. There's a lot of great places out there um, that I would trust to go purchase from. Um, but, but, you know, this is a fairly unregulated market today. And so it's hard to know exactly what you're buying. Yes, everybody's saying I got a third party lab result. Here it is. Check it out. But you really need to understand where that plant came from, how it was grown. Was right. it organic? Was it not? Has it been sprayed with pesticides? Has it been exposed to herbicide drift from somebody else's field? Um, because you're probably consuming that. Uh, and so you just need to understand what that is. And like I said, most places, probably great, but but just know where you're, where you're buying from. And so if you're a retailer, I think it's going to be important is that as the FDA comes out with rules and the EPA and the USDA have rules, you need to be ready for what those are going to be. Um, or potentially be that they could be very strict uh, and and be ready so you're not caught off guard and go oh my god how am I going to operate and then they're coming in to seize all your stuff because you're not in compliance. I think from a planning perspective too, um, you know, every single state and so I, I told you before we recorded I I've been offered advisory roles or ownership roles and different things to participate in these businesses. They wanted some startup experience or whatever. And I've had people approach me and they say, well, I want to do this. Okay. What is this? They say, well, it's a grow operation. I say, cool. What do you know about agriculture? And they're like, uh, cause you're a farmer. Yeah. That's it. You're a farmer. And then, then other people want to be on the dispensary side and, you know, you say, well, do you want to run a retail store? I mean, a, a marijuana or cannabis distributor, uh, 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 you know, dispensary is like a liquor store in many ways. I mean, it's, it's a similar, it's a similar feel. It actually has a, a few more restraints, but I've talked to some people like 
there a lot of, in some of these states, a lot of these businesses are starting to fail now. Yeah. And the reason is, is they built their business plan expecting X amount of margin or price, and then things got competitive. That's right. And, uh, and then in some states like Colorado, like keep in mind too, like in Colorado, yeah, you can go buy it at a store. You can also grow it in your backyard or something similar to that. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, like, I mean, I don't know how much weed most people need, but I think you can grow four or five, six plants there or something. And, and it, you know, like, I don't know, that takes people out of the market yeah, and just does a lot of different things. So there's a lot of tricky stuff, but I mean, I think the retail price on so much of that stuff has really plummeted. And then some States like the state of Oregon ended up having massive supply issues. Right. Like Oregon reportedly has in stock, like three or four times the amount of marijuana that the state could smoke because it didn't have any caps or regulations. They let anybody move in and start a business there. They did a lot of different things and it's very well publicized. Like yeah. look up Oregon uh, marijuana surplus, just Google that. And there's articles everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. Like, and I was watching a thing on vice about it. Um, just literally huge operations that have folded up and failed, lost millions of dollars because you can't overcome the law of supply and demand. Absolutely. It is un, it, they call it a law for a reason because it doesn't matter like what it is. And then so much of it too. And I think you'll attest to this as a producer of things is so many people that want to go buy. All right. So are you familiar with like the, with the straw, the, uh, sale of strawberries. Mm -hmm. So like strawberries are really, so maybe like a, the top couple percent of strawberries are like the big fat Driscoll, like the really, you know, that go for like three or four bucks a pound. Mm -hmm. Almost all strawberries past that are literally like industrial. They go in whatever you want and they sell for like 10% of the price of the ones you see like in the plastic, you know, like the really true grocery store ones. But there's a big dividing line between what people will pay a premium for and then there's just everything else. And uh, so strawberries are very hard to grow and produce uh, because they scar and do a lot of different things and they have issues. And yeah, most people don't know that. But the thing is, is this is very similar to strawberries and with things like cannabis or whatever. Um, the stuff that people buy at the store is usually in that top couple percent. And then you very quickly become just anything else. Right. A am I correct? Yeah. I mean, a lot of those plant parts end up going off to be um, extracted out. So when you go smoke a vape pen or you go buy an edible, or whether it's on the CBD yeah. side or the uh, marijuana But that's side. not a premium product at that point. Right. That's just an ingredient. But it's a it ends up becoming a profit margin for those people sure. too, though, because sure. you can get a lot more. If you're going to extract out oils and stuff like mm -hmm. that, you can end up you know, diluting that to the point where when you go buy a jar of CBD or like a tincture, but from, the, but from the people that produce that plant, yeah, that there's a big difference between what goes to that Absolutely. and what is like, Hey, here's your sticky, icky people <laughs> pay right. a premium. But that, right. I mean, that can make a massive difference in the value of your crop. That's right. And so, the, and that was the point. It was yeah. like, and you, but you could, so you become that kind of like industrial food product of sorts, kind of like the strawberries. Yep. That was the point with the strawberries. If they're not perfect, then they are worth like 10%, yeah. like 10, 20% of what the juicy stuff you see at the store is. Yeah, and it's I mean, just like, but, but those can have why, and it's hard to predict. Same thing. You see, yeah. you see a big Mason jar at the dispensary yeah. of, of good looking weed, yeah. right? There's probably sure. some bad looking weed that didn't, that didn't make well, it to right, the Mason jar. Right, exactly. Like, right. Exactly and then people, you know, some people go in there. I mean, it's like, not everyone's like, you know, Snoop Dogg, right. you know, and they <laughs> right. go in there and give me the best you got, you know, and that's fine. But I mean, that's, you know, that can be a completely different thing. Well, anyway, James, thanks for coming in. Go to unitedamericanhemp.com. Go to fullscale.io.com. You can uh, check out United American Hemp on Instagram. We are at Startup Hustle Podcast. James, thank you again. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCorsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.